Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. For weeks, just talking about the glory or the presence of God. If you remember, we said that God's presence, that God's power, that God's uh, heart is to be real to us, right? And, and God wants us, in fact, I could say it this way, you know, you often hear us say that we purpose to live by faith. But how many of you know that living by faith is not living with something unobtained? Living by faith is believing those things that are unseen will make an appearance in our lives, right? It says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what that means is that the things that are unseen, I'm expecting them to show up. Well, I believe so oftentimes we think that this life of faith with God is just to believe in the unseen and the unknown and to say, well, that's what we're supposed to do. But if we truly live this life of faith with God, then that means that God has to become real. That God has to make an appearance. That God has to manifest himself because we're walking and living by faith. Right? Aren't you glad that God sincerely desires for us to know him? Oh, come on. Just to, I mean, isn't it awesome when you begin to read the word of God and the word of God starts talking to you? That is what the Bible calls the rhema word in the Greek. It's called the rhema. When God speaks to you, it becomes alive to you. Why? All of a sudden, God's beginning to reveal himself. Or all of a sudden, you know that you know that you know that you know that there was a time you were praying or maybe just driving down the road and you're like, God just talked to me and he gave me an answer or he spoke to me and nobody could talk, talk me out of knowing that that was God. I know that that was God. And so God just wants to be real to us, right? Or, or you know, you're, you're, maybe you're just having a tough time and all of a sudden the presence of God shows up and just washes you clean. And I can't tell you how many times in my prayer time or going down the road or being at church and, you know, you just get in the presence of God and all of a sudden his presence starts to wash over you and you just maybe start to weep in his presence. And, and I mean, it's like that ugly cry. <laughs> and you're just like, man, I know I'm just looking real ugly right now, but God don't care. But at the end of that cry... You, walk, you, you get up from that time or whatever it might be. And you're like, I just feel so light and free. Why? Because God just cleans you out from the inside. And like, oh, thank you, God. <laughs> you know, as I'm talking about that, I, I'm thinking of my dad. Uh, this is back, oh gosh, I must have been in high school. I can't remember. Now, if you don't, if you've not gotten to know my dad, my dad's just a prim and proper guy. I mean, if you've ever seen him on his bad day, he don't have a hair out of place. I mean, he wakes up with his hair, you know, just spray starch. You know, he's just prim and proper, you know. I know I'm exaggerating, but that's his, that's his, that's his dad. And, and, and dad certainly don't want to let you see him kind of be unexposed or be exposed or uh, uh, however you want to say that. 
I just remember seeing him one time. This was back years ago at church. And I don't know if he was having a revival where there's guest ministers in. But I just remember seeing dad get up from the altar and just see dad just tore up. I mean, just tears running down his face and, and you know, snot hanging from the nose. I mean, it might not have been that bad. But, I mean, I just, that is a vivid picture of my dad as a young kid. And it wasn't a bad picture. It was a time where I saw my dad raw before God in front of people and just not caring. And that's what I'm talking about. When, when God shows up, it's just like that. It's real. And so this life of faith is not just living with a hope and a prayer. And maybe one day we'll get to meet him and see him and actually get to know him. God wants to know us here in this life. And he wants to begin to be made known and real to us. And so we said that this glory, or when we refer to it, is really the presence, the power, the, the, the person of who he is making an appearance and a showing. But then we also said this, that concerning Who Jesus is, we said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh. So in other words, God at the very beginning of creation said there is one that's coming and his name is Jesus. And all of a sudden, because he spoke the word, there was a manifestation or an appearance of God's glory. When God spoke, Jesus showed up. And so whenever God speaks, there is always a display of what he said. And so, therefore, we see that when the word of God was spoken, or we could say the word of God makes into manifestation or brings into the present circumstance of our life a reality of what God said. And then we gave this example with the centurion. He said to Jesus, he said, my servant is sick. He said, will you come to my house and will you, will you heal him? And Jesus said, sure, I'll come to your house. And then the centurion says, well, wait a minute. He said, listen, I'm one of authority and I see that you're one of authority. He said, you speak the word only and at your word, my servant will be made well. And Jesus was astonished. He said, I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. He said, this man has faith. What did this man say? He said, your word is as good as you showing up in person. So in other words, the word of God, as we begin to understand and learn and get this word into our heart, it's not just ink on paper. It is the very breath and the life of God. And it makes God real to us. Because all of a sudden, God is being made known through his word. And you start reading the word of God and you start sensing, man, God's here. Amen. And so God wants us to begin to know him and experience him. But I want to bring your attention, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Because if we don't have a working relationship with the word of God, <clears throat> we will struggle to know him throughout all of our Christian life. If we fail to begin to have a, a consistent diet of the word of God... His presence and His power will be something that we only hear about and wish for, but never really begin to experience firsthand. And so I want to show some things here to you, how things can begin to work or begin to uh, work for or work against us. And it's all pertaining to the Word of God. And so in First Peter chapter 5, 
I want to begin in verse 6, and I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Bible tonight. It says this, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves, in your own estimation, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time He may exalt you, casting the whole of your care, all your anxiety, all your worry, all your concern, once and for all, on Him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. So let's break that down. Notice it says there in verse 6. It says to humble yourself means to lower yourself or come under who he is. He says, lower yourself in your own estimation. Come into submission or subjection to God. And he says, in due time, he will exalt you or he'll move you forward or he'll he'll excel you. He'll put you out front. He'll bring you to the top. He'll get to you what you have need of if you'll purpose to lower yourself in your own estimation and surrender yourself to God. But then he ties that right in by saying, now cast all of your cares upon God because he cares about you. All of your worries, all your cares, all your anxieties, give, give those to God because he cares about you. So if we begin to put those two verses together, one of the things that we can begin to take away from that is that when God is saying to lower yourself or humble yourself to God is to humble yourself to the position and the place where you can give God your cares. But here's what happens. There's a couple different things. When the word of God is not a reality in our lives, or if the word of God has not become real to our lives where God truly becomes real in our lives, then what what ends up happening is those cares, those worries, those anxieties begin to esteem themselves above God. They become bigger. They become more real. And God says, take those cares... And put them in a lower place. Take them off from the shelf up here that that has made them seem so big. Take them off the shelf and humble them and submit them to God. And in due time, I'll move you forward. I'll esteem you. But what we end up doing oftentimes is because of a lack of the knowledge of the word of God or really having a lack of understanding of how much God truly cares about us, that care, that worry, that anxiety becomes extremely big. And depending on how big it's gotten, we we don't have the ability to make it lower. Because it's like, well, I hear about how good God is. But I've not had a real working, real relationship with him. So now I hear you tell me, give my care to God. But do you see how big it is? Do you see how big the debt is? Do you see how bad the sickness is? Do you see how messed up my marriage is? Do you see, do you see, do you see? And you start making it big. And God says, I want you to lower that thing. And bring it into subjection to God because God cares about you. Do you know how much God cares about you? So if you know how much God cares about you and how much he loves you is really real to you, that is no longer a big thing. Man, why did I make that thing so big? Wow, I can just, I can give it to God. But here's the other side. He says, bring it into a lower position 
of your own estimation. Again, our own estimation of how big that thing is oftentimes can be bigger than our estimation of God. But the other side of that as well is is that oftentimes because we're so desiring for people to give us attention or to help us get through, we're needy and wanting people to help us through circumstances of life, whether it's financial, emotional, whatever it might be. What we end up doing is making that thing bigger in our lives. In fact, you've seen people do this. They've taken on unhealthy Made it bigger in their life to where they've taken on unrealistic emotional attachments to it. They've they've made unrealistic thought patterns about it. They've made unrealistic habits out of it because this thing has gotten me attention from people. Does that make sense? Have you, you know, even from a psychological standpoint, they say, you know, people that have really been uh, hurt in life. They will gravitate towards negative affection and attention because it's affection and attention. It's negative and it's painful and it's hurtful, but it's something's better than nothing. Right? And so what people will often do is make that care, that worry, that anxiety, this big thing. Because it becomes my pet. Look how big it is. And then they're like, oh dear, are you okay? How you doing with that? And they start rubbing on you. Well, you know, it's really bad. And so what are they doing? They're making it or exalting it. They are not putting it into a lower place. Because really, it causes them to esteem themselves because of the attention that they're getting. And so therefore, because of the care, the anxiety, and because of the position that we put it in, God can't do anything with it. And as much as we say, I don't want it. But there's a payoff by having it. Right? You know what I'm talking about. You know, there's those people that, you know, somebody comes and they says, man, I, I mean, I had the flu. Oh, my gosh. It was just the worst time I've ever had it. Oh, you, you're telling me. Well, let me tell you, man. I was like throwing up for the last week and a half. And oh, my gosh. I mean, it was coming out my nose. And it, oh, my gosh. I mean, yours didn't compare to mine. You know what I mean? What what do you do with that? Just hypochondriac people. People that just make it a big deal. Are you following with what I'm talking about here? (laughs) As a result, you begin to make that bigger in your life. And there's a payoff, but God can't give you the payoff that he desires. Because we are purposing to not humble that. And therefore, we're purposing to continue to hold on to the care and the worry. So he says, casting all of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your worries. So that doesn't mean that there's one that's too big or too small. And there's not one that God wants you to carry. And we oftentimes do that as well. Well, God, you can have this one, but I can manage this one. You know, God never called you to manage that. He never said juggle it. He never said play with it. He said, give it to me. Give it to me. The things that worry you. You know, I've said this to you before. But for whatever reason, as a young man, teenager, I I struggled with fear. 
I mean, I was afraid of the things that go bump in the night. And as I got older and as I started pursuing God, the more I started pursuing God, I started hearing about these great ministers of God that once they started pursuing God, you know, all these other things started to become real. You know, just having, you know, you know, visitations not only from angels, but, you know, devils and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, dear God, I don't want that. And it just freaked me out. I mean, I, I'd be praying at night with one eye open. I'd go, you know, it's, don't. And it just really messed with me into where I was in fear. I mean, I, as a older teenager, man, I would have my covers up to my neck. I'd be sweating like a, you know, like a sauna in the middle of the summertime. But it's like, you know what? For some reason, this protects me. <laughs> I don't know. But I carried that. And I went to Bible school. And the same thing, I carried that fear with me. And one night, God said to me, he said, I'm your heavenly father. He said, do you think I would ever let you experience anything like that until you were or unless you were ready? And I said, no. And as a result of that, I actually let go of the care and the worry and never had another time of where I fretted with that. Now, I have had those experiences, but it never was fearful because God taught me through some things and God used some things. And again, it was just Growing times with God. God doesn't want us to carry anxiety or worry. I know I've shared this with you before I believe. But this was just oh maybe a couple years ago. And I got a lump sum of money. I don't know if it was a job that I did or whatever it was. But as I'm holding on to this money. And I'm starting to spend some of the money. I am being real frugal. Okay if I take this here. Okay I got my tithe. I got my offering. Go here. And I'm going to take this money. And I'm going to do this here. And I was pinching that penny every which way I go, trying to stretch the... And I mean, it was, I don't know, $1,500 or something like that. And I'm trying to stretch every penny that I can. And finally, the Lord said to me, He says, you're acting like you're never going to get another check like that again in your life. You're trying to be so tight with that thing, like I'm never going to bless you again. Like, oh, well, I guess I can give this care to you too. All right. And I got freed up saying, well... There's going to be another check that comes, and the next one's going to be bigger. Right, God? Right, God. So, again, we can get ourselves into a place where we're fretting and worrying. And here's the thing. When we are worrying and fretting and having anxiety, the Word of God and our prayers are ineffective in our lives. Because you can pray all day long, God, please do, please do, please do. And God says, well, I want to, but give me the care of it. Oh, no, I'm afraid. And as a result, your fear, your cares, your worries will never allow God to really take hold of it and do something about it. As a pastor, I experience that all the time. Because as a pastor, I know God's word. I know his will. And when people come and pray or ask me to pray, it's like, well, I'll get answers. And God always answers my prayers. But where where it gets kind of clunky is when I see how the other person's responding. They're like, can you pray for me? And if they're all panicked and all worried or I hear them talking in a negative fashion, you know, a couple days later. Well, my prayers aren't going to do nothing. God honors my prayers. But if you refuse to let go of the worry and the anxiety about it, my prayers aren't going to do nothing to help you. And so God wants us to be free from the anxiety and the worry so that his glory, his power, his presence can visit us. His faithfulness, his mercy, his love, his goodness He desires for us to experience him, but we got to give him the permission and allow him to actually do so. So when it comes to us praying or believing God or 
allowing God's presence and power to really begin to move in our life. What we're purposing to do is pray based, or I should say, praying in faith, and my faith is based upon the Word of God, right? The only way that I can have faith is by knowing what God's Word is. But remember I said that God's Word connects me with His presence. The more that I know God's Word, the more that I know Him. The more that I know God's word, the more familiar I am with his voice. The more that I know God's word, the more his power, his presence, his anointing, his glory, his faithfulness shows up. And so once again, to the degree that I'm standing on in knowing the word of God is to the ability or to the to as much of the ability that I have to receive from God. So if you will turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, you doing okay? Matthew chapter 13. This is the parable of the sower sowing the seed. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, now guys, he says, let me tell you what this parable or this story is all about. He said that the seed is actually the word of God. And therefore, he says, if you'll sow the word in your life, it will begin to show up or make things real in your life. But here's what he says in verse 22, Matthew chapter chapter 13, verse 22. Is that what I said? All right, it says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is he who hears the word, but the cares Of the world and the pleasures and the delights and glamour and the deceitfulness of riches choke out and suffocate the word and it yields no fruit. So notice what it said in the midst of all that. It said the cares of the world. The the King James says the, the cares of life. And remember we just saw this cast all of our cares So as a result, we could say it this way, our cares choke out the word of God. We can begin to read the word of God and the word becomes alive and we're like, ooh, I'm growing in faith. God is becoming real. But all of a sudden, I take on a care and a worry and I allow it to be exalted or become bigger and it starts to choke out the word or the power of God's word. And it doesn't yield the harvest or produce what God desires. Right? Isn't that really the difference between people that are truly followers of Christ and just simply people that go to church? You know who they are. There are those that just simply are passionate in their pursuit for God. And it just seems like when you get around them, God just seems real. When they talk about the Bible, it's like, man, I want to read the Bible. When they talk about church, man, I want to go to church. When you see their life, you're like, man, God is doing something awesome in your life. And then they get by themselves and thinking, man, my life stinks. What's up with my life? Or they go to your church, and when they go to church, they're there every other week, and it's like their life is a mess, and it's like, well, depending on the circumstances or what wind blows this way or that way, it determines whether they're in church, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Real easy to see. One that is living as the Word of God being a part of their life in a real relationship with God, and people that are just coming to church. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power. So it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. 
doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven. It just means that you're denying or not receiving the glory or the power or the presence of God functioning in your life. So we're going through the motions. I'm doing the religious thing, but I'm not really doing the Christian thing. I go to church and I can say, well, I go there. But do I really know God? I've just known a lot about him. And so God wants to be real and he wants to be known in our life. Amen. And so as a result, notice that we read there in, in First Peter, it says, in due time, God will exalt. So that means that God's always wanting to produce or show up in our lives. But there are times where it's just kind of a tug of war match between that care and that worry sometimes. And God knows where we're at, and God's not being up there being critical like, well, doggone it, why don't you just get your act together and stop worrying about that. No, he knows the struggles that we deal with, and so he's ever working with us, and he's wanting to bless us and do and help us as, as far as we'll let him go. But the more that we allow ourselves to grow in the knowledge of God's word, it begins to speed up, if you will, that incubation process. Or the showing up of the things that we desire. Right. Amen. And so man, my heart is, is that we would just see God move in a real way. That it would be here today. Amen. Rather than tomorrow. <laughs> Amen. All right. And I'm going to leave you with this last, last uh, uh, chapter here. We'll, we'll, we'll pick back up next week. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and I'm actually just going to jump around a little bit for the sake of time. But once again, this is Jesus talking. And if we could ever get a hold of that, when we read our Bibles and there's those parts that are written in red, to really say, man, I need to pay attention to what's being said and act on it. But he says this in verse 27. And who of you, by worrying and being anxious, can add one unit or measure, cubit, to his stature, or to the span of his life? Did you notice Jesus said that worry can't make you live any longer, can't change any circumstances? Then it goes on to say here, a couple verses down in verse 31, it says, Therefore do not worry and be anxious, saying, What are we going to have to eat? What are we going to have to drink? What are we going to have to wear? Ever been in those positions? Like, oh dear God, how are we going to make ends meet? He says, don't worry. Verse 34. So do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have its worries and anxieties of its own. Sufficient for each day. And it has its own, it has, it has its own troubles. So in this portion of scripture, Jesus says five times, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, but I need to buy the kids some clothes for school. Don't worry. Oh, man, you know, it's looking kind of thin in the cupboards. Don't worry. Man, there's a, there's a house payment coming. Don't worry. But God, no, don't worry. See, God knows the power of not worrying. That's why I said don't worry. 
But the enemy also knows the power of what worrying will do. And that's why he always tries to get you into worry. Amen. Now, I said I was going to leave you with that scripture, but I want to want to have you turn one more. Hopefully this is the one Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. 13.5. All right. Now, the Amplified Version is, is called the Amplified because it expounds on the King James Version. But it really expounds on the Greek and the Hebrew. So listen to how this is said. I'm telling you, there's times when I read this and it almost makes me cry just hearing the heart of God. It says in verse 5, chapter 13 of Hebrews, it says, Let your character and moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, lust, craving of earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not in any way, any degree, leave, leave you helpless or forsake you. No, he says, I won't relax my hold on you. And what I said, it just makes me almost want to weep as he says it three times. I will not. I will not. I will not leave you. I won't relax my hold on you. Come on, when Jesus says something once, we need to pay attention. But he says, I won't. I mean, can't you just see him grabbing you by the face with your tears running down your face? And you're thinking, oh, God, it seems like it's so overwhelming. He's like, I will not. I will not. I will not leave you or forsake you. I've got you. I'm not going to relax my hold on you. I'm not going to get tired. I'm not going to back off. I'm always going to be here. I'm always going to be here. Don't worry. I know it seems big, but I will not. Remember I said I will not. I will not leave you. That's the God that wants to be real to us. That when we hear those words, it's him talking to us. Thank you, God. I'm not alone. Thank you, God, that you didn't leave me helpless or hopeless. You've given me your presence, your power. You've given me your words. You've given me your name. You've given me your anointing. You've given me your glory. God, I'm not alone. And I can get through this. And we will get through this. Because you've got a hold on me. Amen. Let's stand. Did you get anything out of this tonight? Praise God. If you didn't hear anything tonight, I want you to know that He loves you. He's got your back. And He wants to be real. His presence, His power, everything of who He is. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these that are here tonight. And I thank You that, Lord, You're continuing to reveal Yourself and make Yourself known to us. God, you're not a God of hide and seek, but you're a God of show and tell. 
So God, we want to see. We want to know you. So we thank you in advance that each day is better than the last. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, remember, we'll see you Sunday. media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.